0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The conservative review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight a new revolution, to fight for a new land of the free and home of the brave, so we could actually live out our lives in peace with autonomy over our bodies and our property, our families. Nothing short of that is at stake, and no, not at stake just with this election, but every day, before and after and during the election, we will always stay vigilant, focusing on the issues that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter. Daniel Harwitz back here today. See our podcast uh, at The Blaze. Folks, I'm still at C19 Truth Bombs on Telegram. Obviously, today is the day, Thursday, uh, Elon Musk just signed the deal to take over the helm at Twitter. So if indeed I do get my account reinstated at RM Conservative, I will be back there uh, because it would be dumb to just limit my platform and boycott it. So definitely I will take that olive branch if it's extended to me. Who knows? So just keep updated for that. We'll let you know about that. It's interesting, today is the date in history, October 27th, 1904, the New York subway opened up, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, 119 years later, 118 years later, there will likely be more human beings on the tracks than trains, with all the people being shoved on the tracks, women punched in the face, stabbed, and that's what's happening in America. Um, People want to know who's up, who's down. Okay, which races are in play? Red wave? How big's the wave? And you know what? For the first time, and probably only day we will give it to you straight from the mouth of the man that's proclaiming this red wave the most, pollster Robert Kahaley will have him on to answer some of the questions I solicited from you guys. But as always, even the horse race we're going to do deeper than the other shows typically do. So stay tuned for that. But for now, who's up? Who's down? What's the state of play? The state of play is not um, 240 House seats, 53 Republican Senate seats, uh, 31 governorships. No, no, no. The state of play is this. Uh, our buddy Utopian on Substack, Toby Rogers, he put out a great post today, and I'm just gonna read it. If you wanna know what's the gu- what's the society we live in today, again. My colleagues will say, this is awesome, Democrats are about to get crushed, amazing, yada, yada. No. A government lab took a virus, made it more lethal, and released it into the population. Government with the collusion of the private sector intentionally blocked access to effective medicines. They literally had the medicines already on hand in a national stockpile for exactly this situation. And then when the moment came, they went to great lengths to keep people from getting them. Hospitals used the wrong protocols and continued to use the wrong protocols... That tells us that the best-trained medical professionals are so blinded by ideology that they cannot transcend failed paradigms. The shots have negative efficacy and the worst side effect profile ever seen, quintupledosed uh, bureaucrats, he calls them, look like S-H-I-T and are dropping dead left and right yet still don't understand what is happening to them. The mainstream media has lied to us on every single day for the last three years. At this point, they are ca- incapable of telling the truth, because their business model depends on promoting profitable lies. Universities and schools require young people in their care to be injected with a product that is known to cause myocarditis, even though this population is not at significant risk from the bioweapon. All mainstream medical associations, AMA, AAP, ACOG, and public health institutions have completely and catastrophically failed on every measure in response to the pandemic, We're in the midst of the largest surveillance and censorship program in human history. The California economy is thriving in large part because it provides the tools for global surveillance police state. 80% of the population, including the vast majority of the supposedly best and brightest, are incapable of logic, reason, common sense, and critical thinking. They just want to follow orders, but those orders must be malvolent. Otherwise, there's no frission in it for them. There is no political left in the U.S. anymore, and its place is buried, is burned out, smoldering crater. The political menu consists of two choices, fascists or theocrats. The midterm elections offer the opportunity to punish the people who did this to us, but only about 20 leaders in the party that is about to take power understand any of the above. The GOP response to all this is likely to be tax cuts and they won't understand why that is insufficient. Few people in the Rebel Alliance actually want to run government. We keep asking other people to understand our issue rather than just seizing power ourselves. I thought that analysis from Toby Rogers is actually spot on. You're going to hear all this analysis. Oh, this is the wave. That's the wave. But that's actually the analysis. And by the way, his analysis is really just confined to one of the existential threats, COVID fascism, biomedical state, maybe the most important one, but we have the Ukraine stuff, we have illegal immigration, we have crime, we have the tyrannyism. Um I guess he did mention the surveillance state. He didn't even mention that the FBI is rounding our people up for their political views. So the point is, my colleagues are on cloud nine. They're very happy. There was never a better time to be alive. And the answer is there's never been a worse time to be alive. Now, if you notice, I haven't changed my attitude, but I have been focusing the last couple of days that it's not that the elections are worthless. It's that, unfortunately, if we don't do our homework, 90% chance the elections will be worthless, but they don't have to be that way. There's actually a lot that can be done, but you have to understand the aforementioned issues that it's not just big government, bad economy, stupid Democrats, even radical Democrats. That's not the point. This is something so much bigger. So you first have to recognize the problem, recognize the power you have to influence, especially in the red states, the ability to redress it, formulate the ideas and immediately, immediately pursue them. So that's what we're going to do. But just to piggyback on, on some of what he's saying, you look at Albert Borla, the CEO of Pfizer, just put out on Twitter. Pfizer scientists are using artificial intelligence and supercomputing to accelerate the delivery of new vaccines and medicines to patients. So I'm proud to join the CSIS AI Council. I guess that's the Center for Strategic and International Studies Artificial Intelligence Council to develop safe and responsible practices that harness the power of AI to improve our health care. And then at the, around the same time, if you go to Center for uh, whatever Security International Studies, um, their Twitter handle, they say new the CSIS AI Council co-chaired by Julie Sweet and Brad Smee aims to chart a path forward for corporate responsibility, international collaboration, and effective governance on AI. This is transhumanism. Okay? I mean, they're, they're open about it. They are unambiguous about it. And yet, the Republican Party continues to support Pfizer. At best, i will say you shouldn't mandate it, but they're like, yeah, these are good products. So we'll make them available. I'm saying, let, let, let's be very clear. Republicans supporting Pfizer and Albert Borla is 100 million times worse than supporting Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is kind of yesterday's version of population control, transgen- transhumanism. They, they certainly catalyzed and were at the forefront a century ago in this budding – movement of population control in which today's movement has its roots but today pfizer is at the head of that helm and no major republican running has condemned them or has even made fun out of them like like a Kerry lake or something they won't lay a glove on them so do you have any confidence that they'll confront this no Republicans know how to fight taxes and certain regulations, but not all of them. Abortion, gun control. But when it comes to AI, the surveillance and censorship state, the transhumanist state, that is the greatest threat. But to them, they they view that as, oh, private sector technology advances, pro-growth market forces efficiency. They like that stuff. And again, don't get me wrong. We all agree that in the right measure for the right product at the right time in the hands of the right people, like any technology, you could use it for the good. But that's not where this is headed, obviously. Where is the just bloody murder cry from every Republican? We will get into power and end the surveillance censorship and political persecution state. Nothing. They don't even talk about that. And again, like the right to privacy was always a political winner. In fact, for many years, it kind of worked against us on, to a certain extent, abortion and even gay marriage, even though that wasn't a matter of privacy because no one was going in their homes and telling them what they could do. They were demanding that the state redefine marriage and you know, accommodate something that's just not a marriage. But again, they were able to harness in some respect that 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 uh, flagship of, of privacy that we're going to stand under that banner. And it's popular. Everyone wants privacy. Republicans won't lay a glove on this. It's bizarre. But this is what we're up against. And this is what we immediately need to. Address The problem is, when you get into these state legislatures, I'm, I'm in the middle of writing a very detailed piece, just a horse race piece, um, explaining the landscape of governorships and legislative bodies, trifectas, supermajorities, and the extent of power that Republicans will have in the states and the few states that Democrats will be relegated to for their trifecta, it will, will likely be historic. And there is so much they can do, but I'm telling you, unless there is a groundswell to work with your legislative representatives to introduce bills and to put them in their respective state budgets and to to fight them, right, you'll have one or two strong members come to leadership in their respective states, the Speaker, the House Majority Leader, Senate Pro Temp, and say, hey, let's do this on medical freedom. Let's do this on privacy surveillance state Let's do this on interposing against the Feds, banning grooming, deporting illegals, banning uh, employment and benefits for for illegals. All the things we want to do. Increasing mandatory minimums on violent criminals. On and on and on we can go. Reforming the Bar Association uh, monopolies on state judiciaries so that lawyers could actually practice unmolested and unpersecuted and not lose their license. All these things we want to do and and, and the 15 to 20 items we have related to the biomedical state vaccines, mandates, you know, all this stuff. They're going to look at them and say, well, you know, we really got to build support for that. That's a tough thing to climb. All these kind of technical excuses. They'll forget about the mandate. They'll forget about it. And they'll revert back to the language that they speak, which is let's have a tax cut. Which it just doesn't speak to what's going on. That's my point. They're not even speaking our language. They're not even recognizing. I I go back to my analogy that I keep giving. With someone come and coming and breaking into your home and you have to flee, but you know your 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 family's stuck in there and the guy slaughters everyone in the house and then finally you assemble a militia to come and take the guy out and the guy comes out with a bloody knife and what's your what's your first what's what's the first words out of your mouth you would expect you murdered my wife and kids i'm gonna cut you to pieces slowly and you'll have to watch yourself be tortured to death before we kill you because killing you is not good enough no it's like hey stop stepping on our you know rose petals there as you exit the house with the bloody knife like what wait what just happened they're they're not addressing what is actually going on because they either don't recognize it don't agree with it or certainly have no plans to combat it unless we get on their case that that is the key but th- there's so much more on oh my gosh I mean we don't even have time we're also going to do a, a special show on on George Floyd and crime and 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 racial persecution uh, in, in law enforcement and civilians I have a very special guest on who has a important book out tomorrow. But there's so much news I didn't get to on, on the shots that have come out. The injury, the negative efficacy, um, how the antibodies are actually increasing the risk of infection among children like we always knew. It creates autoantibodies. It creates um, immune imprinting. We have so many new papers and analysis on that but you all want to hear the guests today so i don't want to filibuster too much because uh, that's why a lot of you have tuned in now as many of you know i'm not a big horse race guy like a lot of my colleagues you know even as much as steve Dace, my friend here get uh, to me i'm i'm more interested in the day after what actually did happen and what do we do about it obviously the policies we need to be ready and partly because you know let's face it everyone knows i don't have too much faith in most Republicans, you got DeSantis, you got Kerry Lake, you got, you know, some couple of other good stars, but a lot of people will be status quo types. But nonetheless, I do think it's important to do at least one show before the election to figure out what is the pulse of the people, what sort of mandate is building. Because I think it is important that we lay down what that mandate is so that when we come in the ensuing weeks and months and Republicans are like, well, you know, you can't uh, – Expect too much. You can't raise the expectations. We need to win another election. This issue is too hard to push. We can't have tougher sentencing on criminals. Uh, the public loves criminals. You know, No, we're going to say, well, look, the, the mandate was not like that. So who better to bring on than the man of the hour, very much in demand uh, all day long? Robert Cahaley, the leader, founder of Trafalgar Group, which is the polling outlet that has seemed to pick up on a lot of the emerging trends that others have missed the last couple of cycles. So we're going to have a lot of fun today. Go around the map, as always. Robert, thanks so much for giving us your generous time today.
1: Well, I'm happy to do it.
0: All righty, let's start by building up maybe a little bit of a devil's advocate. So, So you seem to be saying, look, that that there's a big wave building, your polls are showing it, but the momentum seems to portend even further growth. Um, Let me just say, what if someone would come up to you and say, look, a wave typically, when you think of a wave, you think of 2010 and and 1994, which were the last two times that we had a midterm on a first term of an incumbent Democrat president, and Republicans won very big. And the way I think of a 2010-94 is, in the red states, you just blow it out. You know, all the swing states, you tip all of them easily. And then you even start eating away at the blue states. I, I look at this map, and it kind of seems conflicting. On the one on the one hand, uh, your polls seem to be showing the New Mexico Democrat governor could be in play. Certainly the Oregon Democrat governor, that's really the blue firewall. Obviously, Lee Zeldin's big story in, in New York. Um... But on the other hand, they still seem to be kind of struggling a little bit to win in the Arizona Senate, Georgia Senate, which in, a, in an environment like this, you would think would, would certainly uh, tip pretty easily. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, that you know always tipped in the midterms when Democrats were in control, seems to be stubbornly holding on. Uh, even until recently, some of the incumbent Republicans like Marco Rubio in Florida or uh, um, uh, in Wisconsin, Ron John, they weren't ahead that much. It was kind of tied, flipped back and forth. And I know some of this is a little bit outdated. So how do you square that it doesn't seem to be a one-directional wave? Or am I reading, reading the electorate wrong?
1: Well, I will tell you one of the biggest changes between 94 and 2010 is – the fact that the media and uh, big university polling outfits have become less about trying to reflect the electorate and more about trying to affect the electorate. <laughs> there is no question that the agenda; these are agenda-driven polling. We see it all the time. We 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 know. Um, for example, that there were quite a few of the national groups in the field in New York for the last three weeks, and only this week are you starting to see poll numbers because they did not want to by showing people that race was close they would contribute to momentum. Mm. And I think that what happened uh, this summer was a was just a classic dim pump and dump. <laughs> they um, they went through. They raised all these things, all these races up. Now, granted, the Democrats were never over 50 in any of them, but you know, they, they tell the Republicans at forties and the 39s, and all that kind of stuff. And, and so they say, yeah, a double digit lead, and everything else, because it was all about getting, you know, wall street, uh, and, and Hollywood and, uh, Silicon Valley to the money in these races. Well, these races were always going to be close. And it is still, in this environment, in 2010 and certainly in uh, 1994, you didn't have $100 million Senate races. That wasn't a thing. You didn't have a Raphael Warnock you know, outspending a Herschel Walker two to one. You didn't have stuff like that. And so part of it is, and the most competitive of races, where the Dems and Republicans are both spending money, they stay competitive because money does that. Mm. But in the places that neither, so when you look at a state where very little is being spent on either side, you see the Republicans sneaking up. But when you look at ones that everybody's known are going to be big fights, you see them a lot closer. that's Again, that has more to do with money. And money, you know, money's moving around, and they also... There's a big change too. I mean, when you think about the fact that in almost every state for the Republicans, the Senate, you know, the Republican Senatorial Committee of the NRSC is spending 10% of what the Senate leadership fund controlled by Mitch McConnell is spending. So we've gone from an, an organization that was dedicated to helping all Republicans had all the money, to a group dedicated to helping who Mitch McConnell wants to be helped
0: Mm. having all the money. And that's certainly (laughs) showing in, you know, places like New Hampshire, Arizona. So you're basically saying you have Arizona, New Hampshire, side by side, uh, New Mexico, I'm sorry, New Mexico and Arizona side by side states. Um, On paper, Arizona is much redder than New Mexico, but in Arizona, it's very competitive. Democrats spending a lot of money, and conversely, McConnell not so excited about the Senate nominee there, Blake Masters. And in New Mexico, it's also a governor's race, so it's not a perfect comparison. But that's kind of a sneak up race. Could you, can you you talk a little is the bit comparison. about? Yeah,
1: yeah. Here's the comparison: You've got the Republican governors spending over ten million dollars helping the Republican nominee in New Mexico. Mm. You don't have anybody spending that kind of money. Um, and masters, right? Any one group spending that kind of money. So, uh, part of it is, is this machine that's been created And it, it. You know, we, you look, I look today, the number one. So think about this. Alaska pretty much is going to come down to one of two Republicans. Does any Republican group have any business spending money in Alaska? Is there really a Democrat to be beat? no. So why has over $5 million been spent in Alaska for the Senate Mm. Leadership Fund? Well, it's to beat up Chewbacca and to prop up Lisa Mikalski.
0: So in other words, you're saying even if you would have a wave-level election for Republicans, all things equal, but there's a mitigating factor Democrats don't have, which is this civil war taking place. You know, They don't have anyone that they think has a great chance of winning that they're trying to sandbag. Whereas on the other side— Certain people would rather uh, lead in hell than follow to heaven, so that that's a uh, and, and, yeah. And,
1: and, and there's something to that, and the thing is, don't get me wrong. They'll 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 be some periphery spending at the end so they can come in and claim victory. But the fact is, is these some of these races are closer than they need to be. A perfect example. Have you seen the ad that's out right now that is quote unquote helping Oz by talking about how yes. much better Oz is, I mean, how much better
0: uh, Shapiro is than Fetterman.
1: Shapiro is than Fetterman. This is literally taking donors' money that they think is helping Oz and holding down, holding down Mastriano, which in the end does hurt Oz. If Mastriano had the same funding of any Republican nominee, Oz would be winning that race by two or three points already.
0: So, so that's, that's what I wanted to start when we kind of go around the map with you that everyone will always wants to hear. Obviously, my audience is not really so into the Senate race there, to say the least. But the governor's race is very important because that would give them a trifecta in a critical state. And, and Doug is a big friend of this audience. And, and, well, and think, uh,
1: about, think about this for a second. And think about why. Here's why. Because how do you make the argument that Trump is unelectable in 2024 because he can't win the big states. If a Trump endorsed candidate wins Michigan and wins Mm. Pennsylvania, you can't, you can't make that argument anymore. So it would make sense that those who don't want that to happen would be aggressive.
0: So, so I definitely believe you in, w- in what you're saying. Why we're seeing this asymmetry and some of our candidates being hurt. So, l- be it as it may. Looking forward, clearly Fetterman seems to be dead in the water. Obviously, what was more subtle before has come out to the forefront that he is is he's in cognitive decline, and I think that it, that 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 message uh, was broadcast loud and clear during the debate. But as far as Mastriano, the polling does seem to be sliding back. Doesn't seem to be so great, and he has no support. The state party abandoned him. The federal party. Uh, do you think? And, and and you know, Doug's a friend, but he's not. He doesn't have the star power of of a Kerry Lake personally. So, do you still think he has a chance?
1: What I've been talking about for the last two months is what I call submerged voters, and these voters are different than what we've had in the past. In 2020, I mean, 2016, we had people that were shy. They weren't in, They weren't ready to say they were for Trump, you had to coax, kind of coax it out of them. Um, but you could get the answer. In 2020, they were a little more hesitant to take a poll, but but, you, you, but there were enough that you could get to them. Uh, you had to work extra hard because the people who didn't like Trump, the never Trump Republicans, loved taking polls. And they were very easy to poll. I mean, they couldn't wait to answer. So if you weren't careful, you could disproportionately represent them in your polls. And then your polls would be wrong. That's what, that's what everybody in the industry did. And that's why they were so wrong in these places. And 2022 is totally different. In the wake of the FBI working yes. with the social media companies, and the wake of Biden's speech, and when he declares MAGA um, – you know, a threat to America. Uh, These guys, what they're they're telling me is that they're, you know, they're seeing stuff on the news about how the banks are being told by the government to track gun purchases. And so it is the logical step to them. And again, I'm not saying I believe this. It doesn't matter what I believe. It matters what people who have a vote believe. And a lot of them believe that they will, they are either now monitoring all the polling companies and making a list of who the MAGA people are based on what they say or they will come after that data later and so having that belief they are afraid to participate we knew something was up within a few weeks of getting that uh, seeing that video I mean, the Biden speech we started getting calls and texts and emails from people going, "I got this poll. I, I, I didn't know it was re- really you." Uh, I, now, in every single case, it was us. We, you know, they gave us their phone number or their email address. And we verified yes, we actually did send you a poll. That's that not somebody pretending to be us. But nobody ever thought that before. And six people thought it within a few weeks of Biden's speech. And now, you know, we get people to tell us, "Hey, I would love to take your poll." But I'm not going to. Wow. So I call these submerged voters. They, they they used to put a sign in their yard, bumper sticker in the car.
2: They don't want to get beaten up.
1: Media, take poll. Well, it's just like well, beaten up is kind of a new thing. But they don't want to have their house trashed. But they're not telling anybody anything because they really don't. You know, it's like you know. Think about it this way: there are two kinds of people who have guns the kind who don't talk about guns when they send text messages, don't take pictures of their guns and put them on social media because they really don't want somebody to figure out how many guns they have. And they're the kind of people who, you know, just have pictures of swinging guns around in the house. But the people who are concerned about somebody building a list are the same people who were concerned about taking polls. And that I think is a very, I think the submerged voter number is big. I think that, and I've been saying for two months now, the Republican turnout will be greater than anyone predicts, including us, and we'll be closer than almost anybody else. But if that, turn, that wave could be anywhere from two and a half, I would, I would say I've handicapped it at one and a half to five percent.
0: You're saying of, to tack on to your polls, depending on the state, obviously, it, and the race.
1: It, and it, it, I think it's possible Yes. That it could be between one and a half all the way to five percent. And in that scenario of that kind of complete full on Republican, you know turnout, uh and, and especially as Fetterman kind of drags the whole ticket down, there's a scenario which Mastriano could win. There's a scenario when I mean I've seen this happen y- many years in the past. I remember in 2004, when marriage was on the ballot in some of the more conservative states, Republicans just took over. We had people winning in Georgia that didn't know where the parking garage was. <laughs>
2: 2004. They just had their
1: name on the ballot. Yeah, they literally had their name on the ballot. But with marriage, was uh, there was a referendum on marriage that year, and so it was just massive.
0: So, so you're
1: all by the name, just one. Am so, I getting your thesis me,
0: correct that? That yeah. Whereas before and, – uh, and you convinced me of this two years ago. I was a little bit skeptical um, about the fact that these other pollsters aren't picking up the fact that there's a new dynamic because of the politics being the way it is. They're too scared to admit, acknowledge they supported Trump. They're shy Trump voters. You are saying it's gone from kind of shame you'll be made fun out of, you're scared of maybe – um, maybe losing your job to now it's almost you're you're being criminalized with the January sixth stuff, the DHS bulletin, Biden's speech. Um, it's the surveillance state. It ties back into COVID, where everyone's and carefully the,
1: it, it, it's seeing all that. Yeah, and they're and there, they're all full of stories about some you know this pro life person there, the next, and, and you know there's twelve FBI people in tactical gear at their door. I mean, yeah. And and you're saying
0: this is not just speculative that you're actually, you could identify your trained interviewers could say, hey, that guy fits the profile, that he's a guy, a gun owner, he's going to vote for the Republican Senate candidate there, he's too scared.
1: Yes. And what I'm saying is, they told us, I'm not going to take a poll. You know, they said I'm not going to take a poll, I just you know, I I feel like for whatever reason I mean, you know, it's just you know, you you get I mean just I mean like weird stuff like you get something from some proton mail account you'd never heard of saying, Hey, nothing against you, I got your phone, you're just not gonna take it. And here's why. I mean <laughs> and it's just strange. Yep. And so, you know, we already have a privacy policy on our page about I mean, one of the first things we do when we pull a list to do a poll is we pull all the names off of it. We we do not even begin the poll until all the names have been taken off the voter list, so that there is no chance we know anybody's name when we're talking to them. Their records, these records are not stored with names, and we're probably going to do a um, uh, a document retention policy after the end of this election and get rid of all this data so that we don't have anything somebody can take and use against people.
0: Wow, and that that obviously hurts your ability to analyze and build off of that. And and study. Well, we can
1: still, but we can still. What I'm saying is, we can still have the records, but we're gonna we're gonna probably get rid of anything that has unique identifiers like cell phone numbers or email addresses. We're probably gonna purge those two pieces of information out of the database.
0: So, what are the big issues you're seeing motivating people that would undergird uh, a red wave? Obviously, Obamacare was a big issue in in 2010. Um, what are the most potent issues that would flip?
1: It's the, it's the whole thing. I mean, that, that's what we get all the time. It's just the whole thing. It is the simple idea that... I'm going like to speak in a voice of what a voter would say to us. I want my government to keep the street safe so that I can go to the grocery store after dark. I want my government to keep the border's secure so I don't have to lose my child or grandchild because of overdosing on fentanyl. I want the government to be strong so that other countries don't take advantage of the U.S. I want my government to manage the economy in such a way that prices don't get out of control, inflation doesn't get out of control, and I can afford to fill up my gas tank. I want my government to be on the side of teaching my kids how to read and how to do math in school. Okay, that's what they want. And they say, but what their government is concerned about is transgender, climate change, uh, open borders, uh, no cash bail. It's like their government is concerned about everything other than what they want. Mm. And it's like, you know, if you grew up and remember Super Friends, it's like Bizarro Superman. Everything is backwards. And it's just (laughs) so wholesale backwards they don't understand. It's like it's not just that they're wrong on something. They're not right on anything.
0: In other words, this is not the typical it's a lousy economy election or we're upset about one policy or one piece of legislation. It's the world is upside down, inside out. And, and I guess that's how you're going to get a guy like Lee Zeldin to be competitive. Now, um, you know, historically the last 25 years or so crime was going down. So it wasn't such a big issue. So is that the big issue driving the New York race? No,
1: no, it is the only state in the country where crime was number one, Mm. number one, economy second, and that's saying something. Uh, there's no question, and and and, and that's it. Because like the economy's bad, and the country's not safe, and the culture seems to be collapsing. It's like it's everything, and there's such a degree of anger. I and mean, there's a lot of, and there are, there are a lot of people who do not think what happened in 2020 was fair and was right. And they're angry, and they want to get even, and the way the best way to get even is to vote.
0: Now, in, in New York, do you believe, it, it does seem like there's something special going on there more than any other state, just because it was so locked down, so mismanaged. Um, every day, oh, people are, you know, the subways are, yeah. are crazy. Do you believe that if Zeldin does win, which your polls seem to show that that's certainly possible, that perhaps you could see them maybe win the state senate or perhaps Schumer might underperform
1: I think you, Schumer's going to underperform just because I think Democrats are going to underperform everywhere I mean you anybody who goes back and looks at real clear politics will see we started talking about New York when nobody was talking about New York um, we know the national attention is going to New York because we have said hey there's something to see here and Yes, I think that that is a distinct possibility. But the, the factor that we picked up on already, we're going to measure again, is how many people are angry that Cuomo got thrown out. It's, the Cuomos have had a 30-year machine in this state. They're not happy at what happened to Andrew Cuomo. And they are trying to rehabilitate Andrew Cuomo, and they don't like her. And we picked up that a lot of people who have voted for Zeldin are volunteering the fact that, well, you know, I'm for Cuomo, I don't like what they did to him. and Wow. And so I, 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 if I had to make a guess, there's a part of the Cuomo machine, and there's something probably in every county that's not – he's just either kind of dialing it in for her or just – intentionally not delivering the support
0: that she needs. So it's a perfect storm. It's not just that Lee Zeldin is, is a stellar candidate, the crime issue, but also Hochul is particularly unlikable weak candidate, and you think there might be some subversiveness on the D side, like, like we're used to on our side, but maybe that might be the one state they have it.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of them just, you know, they just, they don't like the way the whole thing went down with Cuomo. They, they thought they liked him, you know, whatever reason people like people. They 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 didn't you know, they okay. thought there was an agenda behind it. And the one that talked to us says, Well, the guy had been convicted of anything, so that tells you everything you need to know.
0: So I I wanna do a, just a quick lightning round, you know, we we don't have much time left, but going around the map. Um so Michigan, speaking of for whatever reason people like people, What that's another state that's similar to New York, very mismanaged um, very notorious with the lockdown. It was, was one of the top lockdown governors. Why is she stubbornly holding on there?
1: Well, I mean, there's two polls in a row that show it a virtual tie. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't say that's old known. And if... I, I think that part of it is that there was not a big money... I mean, I don't know how much you know about how this all went down with all these big candidates in the race. Sure. And these... And then they hired these people, and they hired these people, and down the chain, and maybe people weren't really doing their jobs on the surveys, now on the signature gathering. But you know, Peter Dixon, by all rights, should have never been the nominee. She's an incredible candidate. It was one of those things people were saying, "Man, it's a shame that she can't be the nominee because she'd be so good." But there was like no possible scenario for her to be the nominee. And then this, and this word is getting overused, but perfect storm. Mm. happened and she ends up in the nominee and you're like, how, you know, how did that, happen? but it was just a perfect storm to get her there. And so she's on that stage and she can take it to Whitmer in a way that none of those other candidates could have taken it to her. And I think she outperformed in that debate. Um, I think that, uh, having some crazy stuff on the ballot this year, especially those amendments, um, one of them, uh, changing the election laws, letting prisoners vote, um, even if they're in jail for violent crimes. I think this is just not the year to have that on the ballot. And I think it's going to be a problem for them.
0: And it do- definitely does seem that everyone agrees the momentum's in the other way. It's just, It's just funny how... I would have thought she would have gone down before New York. But, you know, this is what we're trying to go through, the dynamics in each state. Moving west next door, Minnesota, you know, this audience feels very strongly, obviously, about Scott Jensen. Oh, if only someone like that could win. He was a frontline doctor out early with with the COVID stuff. Um, But, you know, it looked like a pipe dream. But, you know, Republicans already have the state uh, Senate. um, And they're, I think, four seats down in the House, or unless I have it the other way around. Um and they have a bunch of statewide races. is it possible you could have a full turnover there?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I was I was actually in Minnesota last Friday, uh speaking to a group and we were going over some polling we'd done. Uh and I believe the races all about our auditor where the Republican has a good lead, Secretary of State where the Democrat has a, a race within a well, small lead, uh Attorney General where Ellison is in real trouble. He is the poster child for Soft on crime, and then governor, and I think they they're probably going to win two, if not three, and there's a chance they can win four,
0: all four statewide races. And and again, they they were gunning for that other legislative chamber. Um, even even if Jensen wouldn't have won, so they could theoretically have a trifecta there. I think that's a big thing to watch for conservatives. That's obviously the home. Yeah, look what like I'm in New
1: Jersey. That's the whole thing. I mean, our biggest regret in, 2000, in 2021, where we got the we had the best poll in Virginia and we had the best poll in New Jersey, is we only polled New Jersey once because I just had a gut feeling it was going to be close. because mm. I saw the other polls. I know, and it makes me feel a little guilty, but we are only as good as what our you know paid subscribers want. If I could have convinced everybody to start polling New Jersey in the beginning of October. We could have a different. We could have had a different result. Wow! Wow! Because that's just letting people know which races are real sometimes makes a difference. Because the, the any the problem with modern polling is it's easy to manipulate. I mean, one of the tricks they use is they just poll all voters, all registered voters. But think about this: if you didn't get your butt out to vote in twenty twenty. <laughs> What makes you think that this person was gonna vote in twenty twenty two? Now if you knew we registered, I got that. But so few people, I mean, if that didn't wake you up, I mean I mean, this is the highest turnout ever. So why would you ever do a poll of people beyond twenty twenty that was not just a small little sub sample like a ten percent who didn't vote in twenty twenty? Why would you ever do? Because you're trying to skew it, and so that I mean, and so yes, I, I accuse them of having an agenda. I absolutely do, for all the nonsense about you know us being a Republican pollster, You know that's all fine and good, but man, ain't, ain't no party paying us. You know, I just have. If to you're be wrong Republican.
0: every time, then you're out of business. So, you know,
1: right? Yeah, unless you work for parties, because you know that's all. Who knows who and it doesn't have anything to do with accuracy. But when you work in the free market and you depend on paid subscribers, nobody wants to be your paid subscriber if you're not good. Most of the people that we have on our team are people who are companies, uh, organizations, high net worth individuals. I mean, there are major donors in the country who have me poll race before they give it any money to see what what their big is right.
0: Wow, no, that's that's definitely a, a market force. So you're you're saying a lot of these polls are kind of like Pfizer's, uh, you know, Pfizer studies. Um, they're they they're self uh, in house studies that 95% efficacy and 100% safe. So it, it reminds me of that everything has become um, a conflict of interest. It used to be polling was more independent. Um, again, just kind of rounding out the map here. So. You know, it's very clear that if you look at the trend over the last decade, but solidifying now, working class voters and now including Hispanic working class voters really shifting over. So it makes sense why Nevada would totally be, you know, maybe be a clean sweep and and possibly now New Mexico. Well, think about
1: this, too. If there's anybody who suffered, I mean, Nevada's biggest single thing is the service industry. It's like Florida in that sense. Do you know how much they suffered during COVID?
0: Yep, I was these out there during that time. On,
1: yeah, these people depend on, you know, bartender and waiter and busboy and hostess and, you know, casino. Or, I'm like, they all depend on this kind of traffic. You know, and, and if you lived in Florida, hey, you were set. Those kind of people still got to go to work, but not Nevada. And they're mad about it they're really mad about it and they're mad about the border cuz they feel it too so, so so no there's there's no question
0: w- when you look again you know i'm i'm looking at these states that have flipped back and forth in presidential elections so again Nevada has all the ingredients for you know an auspicious election for republicans again you have the lockdown factor and you have the demographic a lot of working class, and then the Hispanic shift. But the opposite of that is a state like New Hampshire, where it's very white college educated, which explains why Trump slid back a lot in 2020. So do, do you think Bulldog still has a chance in the Senate race, or does it not align? Well, let me
1: align? tell you why I think he does. Let me tell you why I think he does. Mm-hmm. Because three months before that primary, both Bulldog and Morse were beating her by five points. So it didn't surprise me at all when Bullock was only down by three, because our poll was only two weeks after that primary. And we, yeah, you know, there's a time when Republicans are mad; and they got to get it. Same same thing happened with Oz. Same thing happened in, in in Ohio with Masters with Vance. Same thing happened in Arizona with with Masters. It takes a while for Republicans to kind of get back on the same team, but. Sununu was very popular and these people were ready to throw her out before that inter party fight. And I think in the end, if you were supporting uh Morse, I think you don't end up voting for her. You might be mad, but I don't think you end up voting for her. And it's a place that, that the you know, the big dogs have pulled out, that's fine. But there's a lot of other money that's been coming in there.
2: It is a, a lot small of state.
1: money been that's right. It's a very small state and um you know, there's there's a lot of attention being given to that state right now. And so I I I, I would bet before it's all said and done you'll see two or three, four million dollars come in the last few weeks and um make make his point. I mean he I, I think it's just it's one of those things where Either one of them could beat her. We we knew that before. It's just a matter of the Republicans can quit licking their wounds and just realize, hey, that's your nominee, and you should get behind him. And if they do, she won't win.
0: So two-part question here to round this out. Is there any other surprise Democrat that you think could possibly go down House Senate Governor and on the flip side – are there any Republicans that might buck the trend, maybe perhaps the Oklahoma governor that might be vulnerable?
1: Yeah, I haven't checked Oklahoma governor. I hear the dynamics are possible there. Um, We've seen Republicans lose in even good years. I'd keep my eye on the U.S. Senate race in Washington State. I think it's going to be much closer than anyone expects.
0: Mm, Patty Murray.
1: Yep. Uh, Smiley is a uniquely great candidate Murray came within four points of losing in 2010 and she has gotten just, you know, as we say in the South, she's gotten, you know, two more terms and a lot more (laughs) ornery sense. And, um, I, I just, I think that, uh, that that might be a sleeper and people in Washington state, the most liberal part of Washington state has had all they can take of nonsense
0: you got the antifa the chasm, stuff you got the lockdown
1: yeah 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 some i mean you know some of your limousine liberals are <laughs> they're just not for all that um so i i think that that's one that could be a sleeper uh as far as republicans who could you know i'm just trying to think of a republican that you could be surprised by and i just
0: the Oklahoma governor, there is a corruption issue that I think is is looming large there, so it has a unique dynamic. Um, I mean, people tell me it is real, but ultimately with the environment, if the polling is kind of even, you know, you probably expect him to pull it out. But who knows? Um, you do have, you know, individual cases like that. But you think that all of the um, – like, for example, in Florida, I never thought he was vulnerable, but I, I was surprised some of the polls had Rubio – Really, dramatically underperforming. But it was uh, all
1: part of it. Was all part of the summer nonsense.
0: Got it. It was.
1: I don't buy that for one second. I mean, I wouldn't even poll it wasn't even Poland. I was in a group the other day, and they said, "What about Florida?" I said, "I, I said I was only polling swing states."
0: <laughs> um, well, yeah, neither, we one those
1: races will be, neither one of those races will be within four or five.
0: Sure. And, I think and um, it, bad,
1: it went by better than five.
0: The one thing I think we didn't cover is if this is the upper bounds of what you're talking about, the upper bounds of a wave, do you believe that the Oregon Senate race with Bennett is in play? Or, or is that still kind of out of scoring range?
1: Oregon
0: was. Oh, did I say Oregon? Or- I'm sorry. Colorado. Colorado. Colorado.
1: Yeah, I, you know, that's an interesting one. That's the one that I see. I, I, it's the only one I've seen go backwards. And the two times I've pulled it. I don't know what it is about. I don't know who this O'Day guy is. But what I do know is that conservatives who can't stand Biden, like Trump, identify as very conservative on issues and like their Republican nominee for governor, say they're not, they won't vote for him and they'll vote for the libertarian.
0: That's interesting. And wow. That's kind of like me. <laughs>
1: that guy. Yeah, there's something about that guy who has turned a bunch of people off. Yeah. I don't know what it is because I'm not there.
0: It's but, funny because that's, that's me and some people in my audience, but I I know and I acknowledge I'm in a very small minority. Like, for example, I have told people not to vote for Oz in Pennsylvania knowing that 99.99% will, and it does seem like they've coalesced. You know, again, I'm just trying to— you want Fetterman? <laughs> well, you know, I mean— I, I have long theories with negative efficacy of having Romney-type people, you know, that are subversive. Um, this was a while ago, and I know you won't be happy with me, but, but I have acknowledged I mean, that— I'm,
1: I'm just saying, yeah, I, here's the thing, I understand— People don't think
0: like me. I'm very unique in that respect.
1: No, I understand, and, and here's the thing. There are people who don't—you who don't, you know, there are people who don't like Oz, and there are people who don't, you know, who didn't like McCormick, and there are people who didn't sure. like— um, uh, what was her name? Um,
0: Kathy Barnett.
1: Yeah, people didn't like Kathy. You know, but th- th- any of those three, I think Republicans would have consolidated around. Um, one thing Oz does bring to the table that is very unique is he's the only person, he's the only Republican running I've seen who broke twenty five percent with black women.
0: Hmm. Wow. That's that's something I didn't and see coming. They,
1: they, they, like him, they like him on TV. They trust him.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I mean, these are all the unique dynamics to the candidates. But it is interesting because, again, I mean, my contention in general is that, like we're talking about, the other side will always sabotage our candidates. But then our side, no matter how much these guys promote every issue we hate— Oh, you got to vote for the Republican. You got to vote for the Republican. So sometimes I'm like, hey, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, take a, take away that deterrent a little bit. So I know I'm in the minority, and nobody thinks that I way. Hear so you
1: on a house seat, ma'am, but on a six-year term,
0: I, you know. But it's interesting that that's, you're that's saying in thing. Colorado that there are some voters saying that. I'm just curious, just from a horse race standpoint, that if there's ever a bridge too far for conservatives for a Republican candidate? Because I have Whatever never seen this guy
1: that. guy in Colorado has done, it's a bridge too far. I don't know what he did, but the conservatives don't like him, and they're angry about it.
0: Wow. Wow. No, that's fascinating. That's I don't know what he did.
1: I, really, I literally, I, in fact, I don't have the time to figure it out, but that's the only one I've seen that cannot seem to get conservatives behind him. Amazing. I'm not saying he won't win. It's possible. Anything's possible this year.
0: Final, final question. This is—you've been extremely generous, giving us this much time. You're you're in high demand. Um, let's close it out with revisiting two years ago. I come to election night. You know, there's no way to bridge your model and every other model. Every other model, Trump could not win um, based on what they were showing. You had Trump clearly winning the election. We come the first half you know, of the night. I, I, on I the felt East... like
1: it would be. You know, one one of the things I kept saying was, I think this race. I think Trump is going to win this race. And I think it, and I think it'll be tight and you'll win it in the mid two seventies. I'm on tape saying that a hundred places. But, Yeah, I did think that would happen.
0: So so we come to the the east you know, the east coast, the first, the night opens up and it looks like it's starting on your model. Uh, North Carolina and uh, Florida, it was almost to the decimal point you were you know, your last poll right on the money, uh, you know, Ohio overperformed, Trump wins it by eight, and other states start coming in, and it's like, okay, you know, it looks like it's kind of within, within, again, within your model of what you showed, but then, you know, and especially with Arizona and Georgia, obviously it was, uh, you know, sometimes it's just a couple points either way, but that was a little bit more dramatic. My question to you is this, was it that you underestimated uh, somewhat of a suburban backlash against Trump, or were there funny stuff going on there okay
1: here's 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 all i'm one to say (laughs) i predicted that you can't count on pennsylvania if you remember
0: yep it was very close i've talked
1: about pennsylvania way before 2020 i don't trust pennsylvania elections because of philly
0: You literally said it on this program. You literally said it a couple weeks before. Yeah,
1: I'm saying this is not new. I do not like the consent agreement that happened in Georgia. I think it opened up the door for things that were unacceptable. I don't think those things will happen this year in Georgia. I can't speak to what happened in Arizona. And I really can't because I don't know. Um, But I stand by what I predicted. I'm put it that way. Okay. I stand by what I predicted.
0: I had to it's, revisit it's, that. I
1: stand by it. I, I, I'm not ashamed of it because and, and when it was all said and done, we had the lowest error rate of any of the national pollsters. And if you can believe that we can be within a tenth of a point on almost every state and then suddenly be wrong on the two or three where people think something happened— Figure that math out for yourself. Figure
0: it out. That's what has been bothering me, and I've been meaning to ask you that for for two years now. Because I thought, you know, again, it's it's this con- point of contention over the submerged Trump voters, shy Trump voters. You're either right or wrong. And the first half of the night, it seemed to be right on the money. And then somehow, it's ju- it's just very bizarre. Again, like you know, Wisconsin, Michigan, the, the Rust Belt. That, that was all very close. So you could bridge that divide. The Arizona and Georgia yeah, we, stuff. we were
1: actually had the best poll in the country in, 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 in uh, Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, I mean, we you want, had a one-point game. We Trump would
1: barely lose it. We said Trump would barely lose Wisconsin.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, and, and Trump and you everybody
1: had up, up two up in Wisconsin Michigan. Yeah, had up two in Michigan. I stand by that. <laughs>
0: All right, you know, I just wanted to confirm which way it was because I expected either one model or or the other, but it seemed to be a hybrid, which is a little bit bizarre. But this has been really enlightening. I I really hope to get you back for a post-election analysis. I know you're busy. I don't want to keep you more. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, folks, again, where can we follow you on Twitter? Yes, uh,
1: Robert, uh, at Robert Cahaley on Twitter, at Trafalgar underscore Group on Twitter, uh, same names on True Social, and um, and then uh, the Trafalgar Group dot org.
0: Trafalgar Group dot org. Check it out, Robert. Thanks so much. Good luck on everything, and we'll revisit this in a couple weeks. Take care.
1: Have a great time. Thank you.
0: So there you have it, folks. America's best pollster uh, gave us a tremendous amount of time. As always, when I do horse race, I'm going to do it. With a deep, trenchant analysis, I'm not going to just do the talking points. And, you know, I challenged him, and he had some very good points, um, basically demonstrating that he does believe it is a big wave. But there are a couple more nuances. You you do have the GOP sabotage, the McConnell sabotage. You do have some races where you didn't have enough money put in, and you do have some races where Democrats put an insane amount of money Um, Obviously, Herschel Walker does have that scandal that's holding him down a little bit in in Georgia and say with it what you want. Um, It's funny. I didn't even mean to debate ideology a little bit there. It was more horse race, but I got into the Oz thing. And and again, I've explained that many times, why I do believe it's more problematic to have these people around and why there is a strategic asset to at some point – having a limit that this is unacceptable and just like they won't vote for our people we won't vote for their people um so it is interesting that he's saying we're we're seeing that with this odea guy in uh in colorado i i haven't studied that much just cuz i didn't think colorado was much of a point of contention but certainly a lot to digest but broadly speaking This will be an unambiguous mandate that everything is upside down. Right is wrong, man is woman, criminal is victim, uh, illegal is a citizen, uh, medicine is poison, poison is medicine. This is the world we live in. This is the mandate that they will have, and there's nowhere to run or hide from that mandate, particularly on crime. Think about all those years where I was the only one pushing the crime issue and Republicans and these conservative think tanks were going along with criminal justice reform. They wasted and squandered so many years. That is such a potent issue. They could have used it in bad years where you know otherwise they would have lost on some issues that they could have staunched the bleeding with that, but of course they don't care. So again, I don't need to be told that, oh, I need to get on the bandwagon when they're not on their own bandwagon. Um, and I will say I, I am more... I would say liberal in who I would vote for as governor as opposed to a legislature, um, a legislative body. I really don't think it means anything if they have 52 senators versus 53 and, and an extra rhino who is going to be a national leader for the pharma industry to get Republicans to support transhumanism. That's Oz. But at this point, it is what it is. Oz will win. Um, but only because Fetterman is a unique circumstance, otherwise he would have lost that race uh, because he was so unpopular. Let me know your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns uh, for Robert. Uh, he's certainly gave us a lot of time, and I'm thankful for that. we'll We'll have him back. He's going to be in big demand this next week. i'd I'd want to hear what he has to say after the election because to me, I like looking at hard data, what actually did happen rather than speculating on something that, we'll we'll find out we'll find out but very clearly there is a mandate that is building rather than a red wave i would use the word a red mandate and we need to start holding them accountable for that from day one we'll have another special show tomorrow always exciting here you can follow us again at C19 truth bombs on Uh, telegram until we get hopefully reinstated on twitter and in addition to that send this show to every one of your friends and relatives please give us a five-star rating with a comment on itunes till tomorrow god bless y'all and thank you for listening